Because this story is about to get interesting. In the semifinals, I had to run a guy 1899, and I was down 975. I'm Brian Anderson. And I'm Bobby Fazio. And welcome to another episode of Class Racing Today, October 12th, 2020. We got some good stuff for you guys today. Uh, got some racing results. We also got the notorious Nitro Joe. Probably the most well-known guy in stock super stock racing as far as stats and keeping track of it just truly passionate about sports so we want him to come on and join our conversation today nitro joe jackson hey guys how you doing doing very Very well well. thank you for joining us no no problem at all I was waiting for the big light to come on to cue me up. Say, okay, here, talk. <laughs> well, we didn't have enough cord to get the applause sign to your house. So All right. <laughs> we're just going to have to wing it this time. Oh, no problem. Where are you located? Where are you from, Joe? Uh, Loudonville, Ohio. Nice. It's right in the middle of Ohio. So how far to um, Hebron? That racetrack and Norwalk, how how far to get to those tracks? Okay. Uh, National Trails is an hour, 15 minutes from me. Norwalk's uh, 45 minutes. Uh, Dragway 42 is 25 minutes. So I got some tracks around me. Well, I could actually relocate to a place like that. My closest is two, two and a half hours. I got three tracks basically within two and a half hours. Otherwise, we're going six seven hours and norwalk's a great track i ran the national there a couple times the uh one dollar for a pound of ice cream can't beat that i grew up there and the bader family he runs a nice operation there i hope things turn around for him next year for sure did you guys watch any racing this weekend anybody race i did race i did not race uh I didn't class race. I took my class car to, I took my knife to a gunfight, if you will. Door Wars <laughs> at Maple Grove Raceway. It was 10000 to win on Friday, 20000 to win on Saturday, and 10000 to win on Sunday. Um, $420 to enter for the weekend, so not a, bad, uh, not a bad deal at all, and tons of giveaways. And I, you know, I did as best I could. I, I, I went four rounds on Saturday, and... That was it. Eighth mile racing, too. So it wasn't quarter mile. Eighth mile racing. And yesterday, when I lost, I read lit yesterday to end the day. And a few pairs after me, actually, a, a gentleman uh, crashed into the wall. So there was, he had to get um, evacuated to the hospital. I hope uh, that man is doing well. I don't recall his name. Um, he went basically through the wall at Maple Grove. Uh, they had to. Uh, spend a significant amount of time fixing the wall. I believe they finished that round and that was it for the weekend. So well wishes to that man. I don't know what his name was. He was driving a Camaro and hope he's doing okay. Yeah. I kind of just took it easy all weekend. It's, it's been kind of a long, long, hard summer and my honeydew list was accumulating pretty large. I was gone all weekend a little punting and the last race of our association was this weekend. It was kind of the one I looked forward to all year. Uh, it's a neat little eighth mile track that's just trying to get going. Um, like I said, it was the one I was most excited about all year. And after last weekend in Kearney, I just said, you know, I'm going to be done for the year. Got a lot of stuff to do and had to 
try to get my other responsibilities done and unfortunately i think i just stared at my phone and looked at results and was text messaging trying to figure out what was happening at the track so i probably should have just went i would have been just as effective as i was but it's uh there's some pretty cool stuff happening this weekend i was a lazy man this weekend i had been on the road for seven weeks in a row it was time to take a break (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's definitely i don't know here in the north central part of the country i guess in south dakota winter's coming it's really long and i don't want to be sick of it and regret not going to that race last weekend for probably the next four months but you know i guess there's still lots of stuff to do i'm going to rebuild some stuff on the car and get ready to go and my goal is is try to make it to arizona in the winter and try to break it up a little bit and go to some of those races so all all part of the game um it's nice though, kind of nice just to hang out on the couch. It was my son's birthday, so we got to have family over and do some of that stuff. And it's just kind of a balance, you know. It's so hard to balance running hard on the weekend. You want to go racing and yet all the other stuff too. So I can really appreciate some of the guys. Like I see, you know, like you think of some of the bigger people, like Bo Butner and some of those guys, like every single weekend out on the road. I just I don't I don't know if I'm strong enough mentally to to do that. I. I get about three days of racing in it, and I'm just shot. I'm ready for a break. Well, I know where you're coming from because about 10 years down uh, ago, I could do running around. I was gone for nine, 10 weeks in a row with no problem at all. Now, Nowadays, after about two or three races in a row, I'm going, man, come on, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. I feel you. Mm-hmm. I will say the one race that I probably would have really liked to go to was in Memphis. Did you guys, did you guys catch that at all? That, what was it, a million dollar to win race? But they actually had a five thousand dollar to win golf cart race. Yeah, and how, how ironic was that? That both guys running on the same golf cart was in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to find results from this golf cart race. Do, do you I know what happened? Joe, who won? Who who won the golf cart race? Give us some insight. Now now you're going to make me look it up. Absolutely. All right, Joe, here's the deal. While you look that up, I'm going to blow through some results here. Yeah, you go ahead. We had a divisional uh, double weekend out in Phoenix, Arizona, Division 7. And in stock eliminator for race number one, we had Phil the Mandela Jr. take the win over Mike Williams in super stock for race number one. Jimmy D. Frank over Jody Lang. Talk about two killers right there. Now, date, uh, race two. Okay. Um, everybody's heard the buzz about race two, stock eliminator. <laughs> a gentleman by the name of Gary Hampton in a front-wheel drive 1986 Cavalier took the win over Steve Wan. And more on that in a couple seconds here. And then super stock. Yeah, let's get that applause. Uh, Steve Hahn. Okay, so Steve Wan lost in stock, but Steve Hahn won super stock over Lindy Lindholm. Uh, that was in Arizona. And then there was a Division Four race in Noble, Oklahoma in stock eliminator Gary Emmons from the successful Emmons Family Racing over Hayden Trumbull. And in super stock, Jacob Pitt, who also qualified number one, took the win over David Latino. And just to round out, I want to let everybody know what's going on in the points and national points for stock eliminator. Our top five drivers right now in stock are David Latino at number one, 
Jody Lang, number two. Kyle Rizzoli and Brett Candies are tied for third. And number five, uh, Shane Oaks from Division One representing. In Superstock, we have Division One again. Brian Warner is in the lead over number two, David Latino. So David Latino is number one in stock, number two in Superstock. Uh, number three in Superstock is Jeff Dona. Number four is Anthony Bertozzi. And number five is Mark Nowicki. Just to give everyone some insight as to what's going on in top five national points. All right, Joe, did you find out what happened with that golf cart race? Yeah, uh, Alan Wickle and Tracy Guffey was the two drivers of that golf cart. Same golf cart in the finals. I can't believe it. You know, I mean, how ironic would that be? The same, you know, same golf cart, you know, so two they drivers double, like it. They double entered a golf cart and yep. I'm guessing what race to the 330 foot mark. Is that what they do? I didn't, I didn't stay on to watch it. I had had enough after it was raining and all that stuff. And I, I didn't even watch it. To tell you the honest truth. I, I couldn't tell you how far That's, they were going. I, I was involved in a golf cart race at Maple Grove one time. That's what we did to the uh, 330 foot mark. And I was on a golf cart that once you hit the pedal, it waited like a second and a half before it went. So you had to leave as soon as it was like a top bulb racing. As soon as that top bulb came on, whack the, whack the pedal on the golf cart and uh, you'd still be green. That sounds a lot. After I burned up a $300 starter generator, I didn't get into no more golf cart races. I uh, I've always wanted to do that. I use a, I got a Polaris Ranger. I use at work, and I'm always waiting for the pit vehicle race. And this year at Cedar Falls, that rained out, and there were some kids that put together a little golf cart race or pit vehicle race. And there was a little mini bike, and there were some golf carts. So I went flying over there with my Ranger, and it was kind of wet, but I had to spot them ten car lengths. <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually about even. I I'd spot them ten golf carts, and it was just about a dead heat. So. But nothing official going down the track. That'd be even better yet. Um, local races, we had a, a our, like I said, our last association race. I want to give a shout out to uh, James Jurgens. Actually, got his first win. He's been driving the wheels off that car. Um, he go he goes to a lot of divisional events. He's made it. I think he made it to the final. I want to say he was the final in St. Louis. Um, but he's really been driving good. And he finally finally put a W on the t- ticket and. This is really cool. They're great guys. You see them out there. His son's really good on the junior dragsters, too. Um, just a great family. But he went out. He got the win. Uh, just congratulations for that. Um, and then day Sunday, uh, Tanner Weiss actually won with his Corvette. I believe that was his first win, too. So they're both in our race of champions for next year for the Midwest Class Racers. So that was pretty neat. Um, let's see. Whose runner-up was Kelly Peterson on day two? And... Trying to think who was runner up on Saturday. It's nice to see some first time winners. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number one qualifier. Let's see. Hopkins was out there with his G Stock automatic laying her down. He went uh, just about a buck ten under. So that car's pretty bad fast. He was number one qualifier, I believe, both days. Yep. You guys get some serious fields out there for that Midwest race. I I keep an eye on what you guys doing and stuff, and I, I can't believe the car counts you guys get for those races. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome as as far as starting out and learning how to drive on that crew. 
it's it's pretty serious i think it's always i mean every single race we go to even this one they still had i want to say 38 cars 39 cars something like that you know for and a lot of guys don't like eighth mile racing so that that could hurt it but this is pretty cool you know that's probably one of our smaller events you get almost 40 cars like how can you get wrong there Yeah, what, what, oh, I know what it was. It was that Maple Grove Divisional race. I could not believe the people that, uh, when they decided to make out an eighth mile race, the people that left that race, you already paid your money. What the heck? Go for it. I was there for that race. I felt the same way. I was driving for somebody. I was driving for a fellow from New York named Mark Sargente. And, when they changed it to eighth mile, we, you know, we were staying, we weren't going to leave for that. Um, they did offer you a refund. If you wanted to leave, you were entitled to a full refund, which I, mm. I thought was very kind yep. of uh, division one to do. Uh, yeah, I, I did I leave. Nice. Yeah. We left on, uh, we got through the first round on Sunday mm. and my opponent had left. Um, but Monday I couldn't, I couldn't stay for Monday. So a bunch of people left that had to go to work on Monday um so i don't know if if uh if that's what you're talking about if the people that left on monday or if it was the people that left on sunday when they just changed it to eighth mile yeah on sunday now i you know it's you know you gotta go to work you gotta go to work i you know that's just one of them things i mean it's a it was a bad deal all the way through so there was a no win situation for a lot of the racers right there wasn't rain in that forecast that was just a botched forecast um, and then I was at Maple Grove yesterday and they said all weekend rain is coming at two o'clock on Sunday and at like one forty-five it started raining. So it was, they were spot on with that one. They were just off with the forecast for that divisional a couple weeks ago. You know, in division three, we call that place the rainforest. <laughs> it is. It's like in a little valley pockets of water get stuck in there and they just don't leave. Yeah, touch base on that race that I found it. It was actually Steve Copine and Jameis Jurgens for the for the final on Saturday. Jameis got him, I believe. Uh, I think Steve red lit, from what I understand. Um, but just great guys. It's nice to see different people in the final. You know, it's nobody likes the guy that's in there all the time. Um, and then Saturday was Tanner Weiss against Kelly Peterson, which is actually was driving one of the Copine cars. But uh, great turnout. Like love or hate eighth mile, quarter mile. Um, I like it. I like the variation, and I'll support any racetrack that's open. Just like I said, I've I've said it before. Don't support them; they might go away. And then guess what? We're driving a lot further to go to racetracks. So, thanks for everybody for coming out for that. And it was a it was a good fun season for Midwest class racers. And I uh, can't wait for next year. Um, now you guys don't run a points deal there, right? No, they they don't run points. It's yeah they do pretty good payout and they're actually doing what they call a race of champions this year so anybody that's won a race qualifies for the race of champions next year so it's five thousand dollars to the winner for all the race and winners from the last season they uh yeah, you guys gonna have to decide who gets the uh free stat book for the year <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how that all plays out with multiple winners or if everybody can come i think they're actually going to go into if one of the winners can't go they're actually going to go to i believe a runner-up system something like that which 
so far I've got one runner up this year, so that's kind of a I was hoping to put a win on it and <laughs> seal my fate to the race of champions, but interesting stat for you to put in your book for next year is how many times you've lost to the winner of a race because I do believe I may hold the record for that this year. <laughs> um, possibly world record of all time. I was looking at my races. I think I've went 18 times this year and I got to really dig into it, but I've lost to the winner, I believe, 14 of the 18 times. The person I've lost to has won the whole event. So that's a I month. lost the same guy three times in a row one day. <laughs> in a day. Wow. I mean, I was I was there for the kicking. <laughs> I, I think I've lost to the same guy every race. It's myself. But I had to do that yesterday. I had to race a guy first round. He beat me. You were allowed to buy back in. I bought back in, come around again, and line up next to him again, and I had to race him again, and I beat him. And then it was just out of all those 300 cars there, it was uh, <laughs> it was I had to race the same guy two, within an hour uh, of each I, other. I hate that. Like, there's I, this year that I think I've raced, I've raced this one guy just a bracket races. I probably raced him four times this year, and two of the times were back to back like we went up one i beat him he was just dead late in the tree i won they're like oh the tree was wrong we have to rerun that race i'm like man oh, you know, oh no at some point it's hard to beat the same guy like i'm not really a game player so it's just here's what it is and it's hard to beat the same guy two times in a row you know and at some point you're not gonna win every single time so i i just hate that oh that's that would be my nightmare we all have those certain drivers. I mean, I have a couple guys in super stock. I just, I can't beat. And then I have a couple good, well-known drivers that I, I'm fortunate enough to get by every time I've gotten paired up against. So, yeah, to, to have to race the same person two or three times in one day, oh, that's crazy. Well, did you guys happen to notice? I got to find it here. Did you see who Gary had? Like, I'm looking at it right now. I wanted to get to that. There was so. no ducks in that list. Man. Like, talk about picking a bad spot on the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe he qualified toward the bottom. I think he was, uh, he qualified number 52. He was 22 under. So, I think he took Jody out in the semis. He took Jody out in the semis. Let's start with round one here, though. Uh, Brian, he takes out John Dorlett, I believe is how you pronounce his name, with a triple zero light. And he runs 1544 on, I believe, a 1537 dial in. So, triple zero light with the front wheel drive car. That's pretty crazy. That's not the light you want first round. <laughs> like, I want to save that. I don't want to burn that up first round. Uh, that's a tough call, you know. I guess you just want to cut a solid 15 light first round and take that win, right? I just can't believe a front-wheel drive car running that consistent because, I mean, watching front-wheel drive cars for 20 years now, I haven't seen too many at all be that consistent. Well, he qualified 15.37 with a 9, and the fastest he went was first round 15.44 with a 2, and in the final he was 15.49 with a 1. So... Yeah, it's it's crazy. We've got uh Kopetkas around here run those. I think he calls it the slow rolla. Him and his dad run them and <laughs> they're like eighteen seconds, seventeen seconds, and everybody just like, Oh man, I have to sit there and wait forever. You know, I just well, don't look like Steve waited. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that that would be hard. And I heard there was something about when you went to get up on the two step, the light, or you're basically that's what happened is when you went to whack and it. The car pulled through. Yeah, it must have. It says four ninety nine red. Usually that, uh, that's probably an indicator that two step didn't hold or right. yeah, I've something. Had, I've had a couple of those myself. At the beginning. Your of the leg year. got tired. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to do like a you have to do a head uh, a count in your mind. You know, you're giving the guy a five second head start. I feel like you have to count to like three or you know at least three, and then get on your two step. Okay, guys, can I tell you a story? Go ahead. All right, I won a A tray national event. They had a uh, a bracket thing. It was zero to whatever. We didn't have no delay boxes back, and we run a pro tree handicap on a four tenths pro tree handicap and in the semifinals i had to run a guy 1899 and i was dialed 975 (laughs) and i was saving two tenths (laughs) because i had a pair of tires that weren't balanced on the back so if you tried to run fast it'd just shake you clear out of the car and in the in the uh, finals, I had to run a guy that was running nitrous, and my dad run over to me, and I didn't have no clue what nitrous was at that time. And hey, I go back to that eighteen ninety nine car. I counted to nine when I seen his side of the tree come down. I counted nine, and I put it on the trans brake. I said, "Come on, tree, you're coming." <laughs> <laughs> then I run a guy into finals. We were both way under because he kept on shooting the nitrous and dad said he said the last time you come up on him he said let him go as soon as he shoots the nitrous let him go and i let him go and i won the race oh man nice. <laughs> well, yeah. i didn't know what nitrous was back then but yeah you're kind of talking about counting yeah it's hard to count <laughs> what uh, you said <laughs> i don't give too many head starts but once the very few and far between for me but when i've done it um it's been, it's been in bracket racing to like a like a, a Honda or something like that, and I was yeah I had to count like four or five seconds in my head before getting you know getting on the two step. One of uh one of the first time I think it was actually the very first time I went to a drag strip was on a Labor Day weekend probably 2010 or 11. I had a 68 Charger that uh, John McLaughlin helped me restore, and he's like, oh you got to come to the racetrack, and my uncle went, but I'd never really done it before, so I'm like what well, okay let's go. I raced a Dish Network like van, like work van. Had the ladder racks on top. <laughs> we were running like street class or street trophy, whatever. And I think he dialed like a twenty-three something. <laughs> I was like twelve, I think like twelve fifties or twelve eighties that car would run, and I'm just like, how do how does this work? I'm like, isn't he slower? And they're like, well, the lights will change. And I'm like, well, how do I know when to go? And I'm like, just. You had a long time to think about it, that's for sure. I just <laughs> luckily I haven't had one of those yet. Well, let's let's finish going through the lineup here that Gary Hampton took out. So round two, he takes out Mark Kirby. Uh he cuts an 039 light. Still still to me impressive in the front wheel drive car. Because um, no deep staging allowed in stock, as everybody knows. So I mean this guy's gotta be leaving. You know, as the second yellow is going out, I would think. Now, well, Kirby was 017, right? Am I looking at that right? I don't have Kirby's number in front of me, but was Kirby 017? Um, I know, I know Hampton dialed a 1543. So I don't know what Kirby's numbers were. Well, hold on a second. I'm looking at a sheet here that somebody put on uh, our Facebook page of all the runs, and it said 
I think he was 039 with a 1544 with a 7, and then there's a point oh seventeen. So is that margin of? Uh, 017 that... means how far off his dial he was. So he dialed oh, a 1543, gotcha. yep. he went a 44 with a 7. That makes sense. Took out, all right, get a load of this now. Takes out Ryan Mangus in third round. Killer. Takes out Cody Lane. Um, fourth round. Killer. Takes out who I think is the best driver in the country. Jody Lang, fifth round, absolute killer, and then gets the win against Steve Wan in the final. I mean, Gary Hampton, what what a day. I hey, mean, did I, you see the package he put on uh, uh, Cody Lang? 001 light against Cody Lane, right? To 026, I forgot to say the lights. 026 light against Mangus in the third yeah. round. 001 against Cody Lane. 015 against Jody Lang. Um, my goodness. My goodness, I need to go to the Gary Hampton School of Reaction Times. Well, and yeah, he was driving. <laughs> and he who, was on motion. Who wants to who wants to run against Magnus Lang and Juan? Like, I mean, I got a ladder program I can sell you, Hampton, but yeah. I don't think you need it. <laughs> if you could drive like that, you're not scared of anyone. Oof, that was just cool. I guess. Uh, I don't. I was just talking to a friend on the way back. He's like, man, that's incredible. He's like, it was really cool. He's, like, he's just a super down-to-earth guy. You know, he's out there with the open trailer, pulling it with his journey. You know, he doesn't have a stacker trailer. It's He's just a baller on a budget as far as I'm concerned. I mean, open trailer like that, go on, laying down hitters like that. Like, that's a race he'll be able to – I mean, you're going to tell everybody about that. Your grandkids' grandkids will know oh, about yeah. that day. Oh, yeah. So, good job on that. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's the weekend <laughs> everybody wants. Congrats, Mr. Hampton. Um, I do want to mention something uh, else real quick about the Phoenix race. Um, I noticed that Mike Graham, uh, Mike Graham and BJ Graham, uh, Mike Graham uh, drives a super stock 2000 Mustang. His wife, BJ, uh, used to drive a 1975 Mustang, I believe, in T-stock automatic. And um, uh, Mike uh, went to the Phoenix race. And he put out a thank you to Mike Rice. I think that's the Division 7 director. I'm not sure. Um, but he said Mike Rice and the staff at Wild Horse uh, Pass Motorsports Park were very, very helpful. They made uh, special accommodations for Mike and his wife, BJ, to attend that race. Uh, I guess to get them you know, in a, in a pit spot that would be helpful uh, for their current situation. And uh, I just thought that was very nice of Mike Rice. Thank you very much for what you did there, Mike. And um, best wishes and prayers to Mike and BJ Graham. Um, hope that their situation, uh, you know, the Lord sheds a little bit of, of light on them and things go well for them going forward. So I just wanted to mention that. All right. <laughs> now, um, Nitro, we have a couple yeah. questions for you. I mean, I have a couple questions for you. You already answered one, though. I wanted to know exactly where you were from. And um, we did have a Facebook question too. Nitro, did you just down a beer? Did I do what? Somebody <laughs> wants to know on Facebook. Did you just down a beer? No, no, Sprite. <laughs> it ain't five o'clock hey, yet. Hey, aren't they in a lawsuit? We can't, we can't mention them on this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> If you got some camping world toilet paper in there, we can probably talk about it. But. Yeah. Well, unless unless they want to advertise. Somebody yeah. know that I put uh, something else in my Sprite at times. 
Oh, that's awesome. Oh, well. So, hey, thanks I'll, thanks for asking questions on Facebook. That's what makes this fun. Yes. <laughs> Not a stack question. They want to know about my drinks. <laughs> yeah. We do have yeah, a... I, I, I have to address Ryan Horensky. He he said he remembers Danny Bastianelli putting nitrous on his golf cart during a golf cart race at Maple Grove. When you're in the staging lanes, I was there at the bracket finals. I think it was 2008. This guy, Danny Bastianelli, is already like the one of the funniest, craziest dudes I ever met when I was a little kid. And when he did that that day, I was like, oh, my God, this guy is just – I met him in like 92. He's just – this was 2008. This guy's just as crazy as I remember. So, yeah, Horensky, I remember that. I was there that's awesome we got, we got uh brian warner also said that did we notice irving's ran each other in a heads up first round both days at phoenix oh how'd we miss that i guess because i was racing this weekend i missed it i missed it because i was raking leaves and oh. putting together birthday cakes and all that fun stuff but i guess we were lazy we thought we, we knew we had nitro coming on we thought he would just clear up all of our mishaps but thanks for the uh update there <laughs> Uh, Warner, I'm going to look that up. So, how did um, Nitro, though, go ahead. How did you get started in keeping track of all these stats anyways, Nitro? Well, I, I raced up until 1995, and it just got too hard for me racing because I've had cerebral palsy all my life, and it was just getting too hard to get in the car, and it was mentally draining me. You know how, being a racer, how it drains you anyhow. Well, it was draining me twice as bad as it drain the normal person it just wasn't worth it anymore so i sold <laughs> you like this i sold a truck trailer race car and house all in three weeks and moved out in the country i was just gonna be by myself my wife and the kids and stuff and heck with racing well i started working on this stat stuff and i'd go to races every once in a while with my parents and stuff and Finally, Jack uh, McCarthy knew that I was keeping this stat stuff, and he made he had me make up some books for the uh, 98 Spring Nationals at Columbus, and uh, it took off like gangbusters since. <laughs> Indeed, the books, I, I really enjoy the stat books. When I found out about them, I guess it was about five or six years ago, um, a great way to – I mean, it helped me, honestly. I would go look through my combo, see how everybody's running. Um, another combo that my dear friend Jamie Shanley was running um, in Superstock in his GTQ Automatic Maverick. He was the only guy in the country doing it. I noticed that in your stat book, and we got a couple horsepower reductions. So thanks, Nitro Joe, for that one. <laughs> I'm guessing I'm guessing like 90% of racers already know who Nitro Joe is, but he actually does a – keeps track of a stats book so he could tell you any combination what the average runs are it does a really good job of keeping track of what the combos are running average i believe it's averages fast slow um most everybody has it i didn't really know much about it until last year when automatic horsepower right like do you get reduced or is it a chance and just learning into it it's a great it's a great tool if you don't have it reach out get a hold of nitro joe we'll post a link to his to his website where you can order a book and just start doing a little research, diving in. Maybe you're building the car and want to see a, a good combo to get into. And that would be a great tool for that also. Well, I have a lot of people anymore getting a hold of me, like when they get ready to buy a car and uh, they'll tell me about a certain car they're getting ready to buy. I say, give me a car number. 
I said, I, I can give you stats for the last 10 years on that car. And, you know, a couple, a couple times it's funny. They said, oh, the, the person we buying buying this car off of said it could go 90 under. I said, yeah, but it falls off a side of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Great, great idea there. Uh, uh, I got to make a mental note now. If I ever want to sell my car, I just yeah. need to go to the East Coast where it's easy to go <laughs> fast. And I'll run there for a year to get my stats up. <laughs> yeah 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 you know how to make a slow car fast don't you joe <laughs> oh yeah go, go race on the east coast <laughs> hey our english town track closed that was a 60 foot uh altitude not there anymore so well hey hey guys you know how they used to sell cars a lot of guys used to do this stuff they would go to a racetrack and if they knew the racetrack guys good enough they'd get on the computer and have a guy stand on the start line and a guy down to finish line you can print up some Nice quick time slips. <laughs> That's, I know a couple of people at Maple Grove. That's a good idea. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that before? <laughs> um, hey, Joe, how about when NHRA started posting, I mean, averages on NHRA Racer? Is that that kind of like uh, affect your, you know, no. your business or anything? No, because my uh, stat stuff is more or less everybody's fastest runs, where they did it, what round they did it, and the stuff that they're posting on the NHRA site is everybody's averages for the engine family and that combination and everything else, which the only time I'll give out that information if one of my customers or something, hey, uh, they'll send me an email saying, hey, can you give me an average of what my combination is? I can give you an average but I do not know the criteria of what NHRA goes through to come up with some of these averages. So I just say, here's the averages for what I got. And I take out the exempt runs or the mine shaft runs and here's your average. Okay. But no, they have not affected me one bit by posting the stuff that they posted. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Um, Joe, how do you technically get your stats? Do you get them? Are you like hooked up to CompuLink site or are you just going on like Drag Race Central or is this something proprietary that you don't want to share with us? You don't have to share anything you don't want to share. I was just, well, I just I get everything from NHRA. Okay. And I'm the only one outside the NHRA family, I think it gets it. And it's been a uh, deal where I've had with them for shoot 25 years now. And you know, we've had no problems. Oh. Are you for hire, Joe? Maybe uh, Enos, Texas could have had you at the end of the track telling people who they won and what their stats were when they crossed the stripe. <laughs> well, they just needed a guy down there just to point to you need to go to the scales. <laughs> oh, that's heartbreaking. That's not very <laughs> We can't bring that one up no, again. <laughs> let's bury that in the dirt. Uh, Lance Lyon, I'm sorry, man. How, uh, <laughs> You kind of you're kind of into all motorsports racing, aren't you? It's not just class racing, don't you? Aren't you kind of a dirt oh. track guy and everything too? Oh yeah. Well, I just got done doing top dragster, top sportsman stats for the last three races that was run this weekend. I just got done doing that stuff. So then, yeah, I'm big into dirt. <laughs> Did you guys see NASCAR is going to have a dirt race next year? Yeah, Bristol. That they tried that. Uh, what I want to say seven years ago or whatever, run the sprint cars at Bristol. And they, they blowed half of them up because they weren't ready for the big track. 
Yeah, that'll uh-huh. that would almost be. I don't really follow NASCAR that much since the old. Uh, you know, this doesn't seem like the days of Earnhardt and getting in and bumping and grinding. It was just a lot more exciting. But I don't know. I kind of want to watch him run on the dirt. I think that'd be pretty cool. Too many sissies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That should be their motto. Yeah. Well, as far you as the... You bumped me. I'm hurting now. <laughs> now that you mentioned Bristol, though, why uh, NHRA is not having any national event at Bristol? Does anybody have any insight? That surprised me. I have no clue why Bristol ain't on the on the thing. I wonder if it's like a to-be-determined type of thing, or they just axed it for the year. And uh, Chicago, is Route 66 like officially closed now? Are they done for business? Yep. yep. That's what terrible. I heard. I always wanted to make it out to that track. I'm hearing it's going to be a housing complex. Oh. Yeah, it's unfortunately just the world we live in you know we never know some of these tracks are in tough shape and you know who knows what the world has coming for us here it's just you gotta get out and enjoy it when you can and support even the local tracks you know it's i say it all the time feel like i'm on a soapbox but you know nobody's got it perfect but if we're not there they're not going to be there either so you just got to keep on keep it on well i i feel for track owners right now i mean it's uncertain avenue right now you take rain delays and like in our area last year we had our precipitation was double of what the normal average was and the tracks just really struggled i mean it was it just every it seemed like every weekend it was rain out there's not a lot of profit in it when you start taking out 50 percent of their race days or even 25 percent, that's huge now have you guys noticed more and more racetracks that have more paved area are having problems with water coming up through their tracks um, we don't have too many tracks like that. I know there's our local track here at Thunder Valley, which is, it's been around a long time, but I think they have problems with last year. Quite a few where the moisture will come wicking up through the track. Um, I believe Rock Falls, something when they resurfaced it, they did everything the way NHRA wanted it done when they redid it. I think this year when I was there, they had a couple issues with water weeping up to the track, but you know, there's not super huge, large areas of paved areas so i don't know i haven't noticed that so much where i go maple grove's always had a uh a weepage problem um one time i think it was the 2009 keystone nationals that i mean we saw all weekend that's all we had uh weeping and i remember warren johnson got squirrely in a qualifying pass and he was furious when he got out of his car um but i did want to mention brian that i took a your advice last week, and I did thank uh, the burnout guy this weekend when I was I was in the burnout box. The car in front of us broke. We had to back up and chill for about five minutes. So he came over, told me to back up, and I just said, "Hey, thanks for all you're doing today. I appreciate it." They we started running at nine a.m. and we didn't finish until almost uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And did, then did you remember yeah, to thank the stuff. lady at the buyout back office or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i didn't <laughs> i didn't and she gave me a gift too when i bought back in i should i i'm sure i thanked you for the gift though nice. um you had a choice between isc racer tape 
Lucas Oil Slick Mist, which I use religiously, and Driven, uh, what the Joe Gibbs brand, Driven, has their own version of uh, spray wax. So I decided to try that one this time. And uh, thanked her for that, okay? You probably got a whole collection after all weekend. <laughs> that was only on Sunday. Oh. I would have had a whole collection. Yeah, but they got a collection of his dollar bills, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. bought back in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I did have a sponsor this weekend, uh, my friend Don Stilly, who I met last year. He lets me park my motorhome and trailer on his property. He was racing there this weekend, and mm -hmm. he bought me back in on Saturday. Hell of a nice guy, and uh, I, I got the fourth round for him. So I uh, want to thank Don, Don Stilly, if he's listening. I, I turned it on Saturday night, the Maple Grove race on uh, on the computer, and they were into a reaction time contest. Yes, I was. I was just going to tell you that too, because I said we raced until about ten o'clock at night. Then there was this reaction time. I was getting ready to go to my motorhome, call it a night, and I saw everybody gathering at the starting line. And I don't know how they picked. I think it was about twelve or sixteen guys to just to do a reaction time. They raced to the sixty foot marker, and that was it. But if you got mm -hmm. a, if you cut a triple zero light, you got a thousand bucks. If you cut a double O light, you got a hundred bucks. And all these guys were just doing crazy burnouts and making a spectacle of this whole thing. It, one, my one friend Rob Snyder had a uh, he had a he had his friend Rory in uh, spandex. Uh oh, uh, Did somebody lock up. Can you hear me? Yeah, because this story is about to get interesting. Rob Snyder in a Granada had his friend uh, Rory in like these spandex uh, shorts and cowboy boots and an American flag on his back. <laughs> and Rob did a burnout all the way out to like the 330 foot marker. And then Rory was backing him up, you know, kind of like a jungle Pam style backup. And he took the cape off. <laughs> he took the cape off. He had a, uh, he had a Trump flag on his back. They did like a, uh, like a bull launch with the car through the Trump flag. It was like, ah, it was kind of scary. And then Rob <laughs> cuts a 006 light and gets a hundred bucks on top of it. So it was just, it was yeah. craziness. <laughs> there, must, there must have been a full moon. Like I was watching the golf cart race and even then I just looked like a pretty crazy environment. So a lot of fun to be had this weekend at the racetrack. I, I think it's a more family friendly environment at the NHRA class racing events. And uh, if you don't have your kids around, then I guess you go to one of these uh, millions or these bracket racing events at night and see what goes on at, at those after hours. I was going to make a comment about stalkers being in bed by the time that's all going on, but that's... <laughs> yeah, not... You got a long stock at 7 in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was used yeah. to. How, who's going to wake people up if we all stay up that late? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every morning at Indianapolis this year, I was up at 625 because Super Street had to run at 7. My brother was there running Super Street, so guess what? <laughs> every single morning. Oh, man. You ever, have, you ever thought, that have you ever thought about keeping driver stats on reaction times? or? Oh, I got them if I wanted to do them. That that's a book that would be nice. All right, I'm 
I'm going up against this guy. Grab the book. What's his game? What's he holding? What's his reaction times? That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, I got. I could. I could do them. But just how far do you want to go with stats? You know, that's just like all the comp racers want me to do all the increments. I said, you guys are crazy. I don't have that much time on my hands. <laughs> well, they have lots of money. You can do it for them and charge them a ton. <laughs> so what are you what are you doing when you're not keeping track of stats and feeding all of us junkies with info uh it's like messing around with my model collection i sent you some pictures of my model collection <laughs> so do you put and them together or do you just collect them in the box i'm uh i was putting them together i uh few and far between these days i got 1300 model kits oh wow <laughs> i just bought the uh i just got the bill jenkins car just the other day in the mail. That's my latest one. I bought the, uh, the old, uh, 73 pro stock Vega kit. I just got it the other day. Like I say, I'm, I'm going to get back into building some more cause I'm, I want to slow down in the winter time. Uh, biggest thing I do anymore is play with my grandson on Xbox. <laughs> What's your game? Uh, he likes playing uh, grand theft auto. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, What's the other one? Uh, huh? What's the other game all the kids play? Fortnite. I thought maybe Fortnite. Nitro Joe would have no. you the Fortnite name. I'm gonna look that up. I uh and uh I like uh playing SnowRunner. <laughs> so when you do your I there's like a funny model story. So I have an uncle that he passed away with leukemia when he was young, but I got to spend quite a bit of time with him at my grandma's house and he kinda taught me how to do models. Like that was his thing, put together model cars and like so the way I was taught to put a model together is first you have to put the upholstery on the seats. So he would take mm -hmm. fabric and cover all the seats up and then we'd get the yarn cut and you'd get the motor all painted and then you would actually run spark plug wires with yarn or with the thread. So all my model motors had spark plugs and you know, all the spark plug wires and all the interiors were upholstered. Of course, you know, it was the late early eighties. So you had to put some upholstery on the dash and, and then we'd always, I'd put all the motors together and have them all lined up. So then we'd swap motors. So like we'd go race and it wasn't fast enough. We'd take maybe the, the dual four barrel setup and switch it with the supercharged setup. So yeah, as a little kid, that's how I was taught to do models. And it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Just maybe when my family's gone, that'll be my go-to for the winter. Yeah. I need to go to the Warren Monteith uh, model uh, building school. Gosh, he's, a, he's unreal how he builds them models. Oh, that's insane. I mean, it just, it's unreal watching him hit some of the kits that he's had come out lately. The problem I always had is I could never wait for everything to dry. Like I could detail it perfectly and then I'd be in a mm -hmm. hurry and I'd slap it together and have a really detailed out. Like the motor was all detailed out and there's a big old thumbprint right on top of the yeah. car. Glue. Yeah. I get more glue on my fingers than I was getting in the, you know, on the model. I used to love putting those together when I was a kid. Well, the biggest thing I do anymore lately, I've been, uh, I, I, a uh, long time ago, I built, uh, when all the pro mod models were coming out, I built all the different chassis, the Plymouth chassis, the Ford chassis, the Chevy chassis and all that. Now, when I get a stocker kit of any kind, I'll take the, the body out of the box and set it on that pro modified chassis of one of the, one of the three chassis I got, cause all the wheelbases are different and see how it looks on a pro mod body. I said, Hmm, this could be a, <laughs> a pro mod car here. <laughs> yeah. So just, I get into stuff like that. Just mess around. I build a lot of car haulers too. So I scratch build my car haulers. Nice. 
What? How, uh, long, does it, how long does it take to uh, to do one? What a car hauler or model kit? Well, the well, like I wanted. To, that's what I want to ask Warren uh, Monteith. Like, how long does it take him to to get one of those? Dude, I bet you it takes him months. As as detailed as he is on stuff, I mean, the most I've ever spent on model kits two weeks, if that. But I know his has got to take longer than that. I mean, they're so detailed. I mean, it's just unreal the detail work he does. Impressive. I wonder what the wait list is to get your. Well, get your I heard on. that he's cut everybody off now, just that he needs to catch up on what he's got on orders and he ain't taking no more orders in for a long time now. Oh. Would it still be fun if it became that much work? Do what? I said, would it still be fun putting them together if it became a job like that? Well, okay, you're asking a question. I keep on telling everybody when they ask me, how long, much longer are you going to do stats? I said, when it turns into a job. Right. You know, because like last weekend, I did seven races last weekend. Hmm. I had to do stats for. So like when you're doing stats like that, what are the... Do you notice, like, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the last five years? Everybody running consistent and stock super stock. You know, a lot of that, I think, comes back to, uh, and maybe I'm wrong on it, saying this, I think a lot of people run that grid anymore. It's making the cars more consistent running the grid. But I've noticed big time stock super stock cars are running I mean, they're running the same thing every single run. I mean, it's almost like being a super class car, you know? Do you think there should be separate classes for fuel-injected versus carbureted cars? Oh, I've thought that since day one. I've been a I've been a big person to say that carburetor car don't need to be in the same class as a fuel-injection car. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care who I offend. I've never agreed with the fuel-injection being in the same class as a carburetor car. I don't, I don't know, Bobby. You might have another anti-e-shift guy on your hands here. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's just me because it's just, I mean, it, I just, I'm old. I'm too old school. That's my problem. I'm too old school. Well, well, some, some guys do believe, you know, they think they're a carbureted car. I mean, if you ask, pose that question on Facebook or Class Racer, and there's a certain number of guys that come on and say carburetor's better, carburetor's faster. I can go faster in a carburetor than I can with fuel injection. And then you have the fuel injection guys say, no, you can't. I have to. I have to think fuel injection would be faster than a carburetor because there's just so much more you can do. Yeah, you can fuel the timing and the and the fuel delivery of each individual cylinder. You can't. Yeah, you're gonna do that with a carburetor. But in, essentially, you get some of the same things with the grid. You can do some of those same things then. You can do the timing with the grid, yeah. but so, so you I can adjust that- my pulse with with you know how much actual fuel gets sprayed into each cylinder with my you know fuel injection so essentially you could argue right. that the grid needs to be in there with the fuel injection cars i mean basically yeah. anything semi-computer controlled would have to be in the same class well i was kind of surprised that the grid even got allowed in stock super stock to tell you the honest truth you know that's just that's my my thoughts i just i thought i was surprised when they allowed it it goes back to like, you know, we were talking about a little bit last week about e-shift, you know. Is it right to put that in a car that never had a computer-controlled transmission? I could argue in my 2000 Camaro that it was computer-controlled, so that's mm-hmm. not much differently. 
but I, I realize why the grid is allowed because of the computer cars. Yeah. I mean, that's the, about the only way you're going to make a computer, you know, a, a fuel injection car run right is to have a grid in there anymore mm-hmm. with the fuel injection cars. I mean, but even look I'm at, wrong. even look at race pack data. I mean, essentially that's no different. I mean, you're still using a computer to record the data, what your car is doing, which makes it mm-hmm. more consistent, makes them more competitive. You know, here, here's what's sad about the, the cars nowadays. I mean, it's good and it's sad. I was with uh, my buddy. I go, I go racing with a buddy of mine, Rich South, all the time, and uh, both his cars are fuel-injected cars. Well, we were down at Rockingham last year at the end of the year, and a buddy of mine, Jeff Nicewanger, was tuning the cars with a computer. And the one day with the Corvette, we picked up three-tenths, and we never took a screwdriver out of the trailer. <laughs> you know, I mean – you know, I, I'm just looking saying, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm old school. I said, you know, usually we got to do this and this and change the hanger on a carver hair to do something different here. And, you know, just, you know, here, here we are on a laptop, just dialing for dollars. Yeah. yeah. And reading data and then making changes, I don't care what system you're using. That's, I don't, that's fine to me. Um, <laughs> making changes at your trailer but when you have a programmable box that's making changes let's say you know going down track it's adjusting timing based on you know so, something that has been programmed if, like if you're programming an et or something into this box that's counting your dry shaft revolution i don't know something crazy like that that's making changes for your consistency going down the track well then that's a that's a different ball game well, right there you know, I was uh, at St. Louis at the national or at the uh, points meet there the weekend before the national meet, and I went over by the fence to watch the superclass run time trials and stuff. And you could tell who had the grid and who didn't. You could hear them come down. Dry, rrr, rrr. Yeah, you could just you could hear that baby kicking in and kicking out in high gear there, and you're going, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. You know, with any, you watch all motorsports, Joe. So, I mean, I don't care what you're doing. Anytime you're racing, there's gray areas and everybody's looking for that next little edge, next little thing to make you better. You know, whether it's a grid or running computer control or, you know, even some of these no prep cars, you know, running traction control, they have G force meters that, depending on how hard it's pulling, pulling timing. I mean, I don't know. It's like, what's the next step? I feel like pure stock has kind of gotten gray. But I also mm-hmm. think part of continuing the sport and to grow it, some of that grayness is probably needed. I mean, you can't eliminate a car with a computer because, let's face it, there's not a lot of new people coming into this sport, and there's different cars. Well, you know what they do? They go back and tell us we don't like the way things are right now. Go run nostalgia cl- uh, the nostalgia deals. <laughs> yeah. If you're old school like me, go run in nostalgia deals if you don't like the way things are now. I said, okay. <laughs> Well, even, even look at transmissions. I mean, if you want to argue the E-shift isn't right, but yet we can run a G-Force or a Liberty or Jericho transmissions, that's not original how they were either. I mean, it's... I know. You still have to improve it, and you have to make it... We need to make we need to welcome more people and try to get more people into it with more variations of cars, so it's hard to... I think and that's some of where the whole stock, super stock, you know, mentality comes from. Like, well, this isn't the way it used to be, but yet we have to open it up. If we want new people to do it, you're going to have to be a little more inviting to all different types and technologies. Well, I don't think that helps new people come in. Now, when you keep allowing 
allowing, allowing, allowing things. Okay, now now I got to go spend thousand dollars on a ring package that shouldn't have been allowed in stock. I have to go spend however much. I don't know how much the e shift cheetah e shift stuff is, but I got to buy that to keep up with this guy. I have to keep spending more and more and more money. You're never going to get a new what. 18 to 25 or 18 to 30 year old is going to be able to afford to run stock eliminator under this umbrella of rules that you have right now. It was supposed to be, as far as I know, uh, nitro, you can clarify this. It was supposed to be an entry class. Like you were back in the day, didn't you just take your car that you drove to work every day and you could like come and run stock eliminator with it and, you know, go home and it's, turned into what super stock was i guess back in the 90s now it's you know if you are going to allow everybody to change their lifters if you're going to allow everybody to uh um put whatever else they're allowed to do nowadays i don't know wasn't there a manifold allowed but now it's not allowed anymore on the on the uh chrysler's um you're the status scare you here's the status scare you how many racers in stock super stock are under 50 years old? 5%. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? That That's yeah. the sad thing about the way things are right now in stock super stock. You guys keep on talking about the, the new breed coming. The only new breed I see coming in stock super stock right now is kids from parents that ran stock super stock. Right. You know, you don't see Joe, Joe racer over here coming out 21 years old and I'm going to go run stock limner and I have never seen or heard of stock limner in my life. You, you ain't, you know, most of the junior dragster racers are going strictly to the super classes or bracket racing. Mm-hmm. We're, I feel we're in trouble right now. People wise and stock super stock because of how many racers we have over the age of 50 years old. And then finally sooner or later, they're going to say, I've had enough. Well, and that's, that's one thing that I like, kind of one of the ideas I like beyond this podcast is I don't come from a racing background. My parents didn't drag race. I haven't done it. I'm 42 years old and I'm considered new. Like I'm a young guy in the pits. I'm 42. It's my second year, basically of drag racing. I love it. It's great, but. <laughs> I've been at the racetrack since 1964. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then Robbie Shaw just calls me out and says, win a car in a raffle, that'll get you in it. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian Brian is legit like the the only guy that I know in, in class racing that is new blood that came to the sport mm-hmm. not oh, having that's, that's family. <clears throat> that is good. And that's that's my kind of my passion is how do you get more people into it? Like how do you you have to keep it simple enough, like my car is not super competitive. I'm not going to go a second under. I mean, it's, I'm running a class that's been beat like a redheaded dog. I mean, I've got a redhead stepchild or beat like a dog, however you want to call it. But the, uh, I got a 2000 Camaro, you know, the LS one's just been pounded. It was probably under factored. Now you could argue that it's over factored. Um, the stick combo is better. Um, someday, hopefully that's where I'll go. But you know, my, the things I'm working on is how can I cut the best lights possible? You know, if I can try to be consistently close to a double O light and I can get my car to try to run the same thing and a heads up, I'm a sitting duck. But if I can mow down the tree and just get the car to do the same thing every time, at least you got a chance. And it's actually been a lot of fun this year. But 
last year wasn't very much fun. I was, I think I went out probably, I probably went to nine races and I went out first round every time, but maybe two, two or three races I made it past first round and it was frustrating. So without knowing anything about it, it's really tough. The great thing is with the whole community of stock, super stock racers, they've really kind of embraced me, brought me in and you learn a lot really fast. Our, our Midwest class racers is it's kind of like a second family. I mean, everybody's super helpful. They're giving you tips, little tricks. And that's what's really cool about it, but it's just how do you transition people that are maybe starting to do a little bit of bracket racing about coming into stock? Because it's probably one of the purest forms of racing still out there. I mean, there is a set of rules. You could argue if they're too gray, if they're not too gray, but I would say it's fair to say that we can't go back in time to the way it used to be either. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not going to grow the class. That's what's neat about some of these slower cars. I mean, there's there's combos out there you can get into that are relatively nothing's maybe cheap, but they're effective combos that are you can do it fairly efficiently. You know, some of those slow the slow roller cars or you know the the slow combos. They're probably, the Billy Knee School combos. Yeah, <laughs> the dime rockets. Yeah, yeah the dime rockets. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to start right now and I'm like, I want to be a stock eliminator driver, if I would have known where I'm at now, I would have got a hold of Joe, got the stat book, and be like, all right, what's the easiest combo to get into to start? And I think... You go to Indy and buy the fastest car sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> and say, you're all I want you to do is take your helmet and jacket out of there. It's going in that trailer. You're not touching it. <laughs> That's funny. There's a... Now, there's a guy that races here, uh, the Ingles. Uh, Doug Ingles is a comp, races comp and stock, super stock. And the first race I went to last year, they were sitting around and all their cars are just beautiful. You know, the stock, super stock cars are probably just some of the nicest, cleanest cars at a racetrack. And we're sitting around talking. They're like, oh, if I'm going to build another one, I'm going to go to the car show and I'm going to get the nicest Corvette on the, the show winning Corvette. And that's going to be my next race car. All the trim's correct and everything's there and it's clean and it's in good shape. And I'm just like, I want to be the guy that rolls up there with the slick after they write the check and like, oh, how much cutting do we have to do to get these to fit on there? Because, you know, that guy's going to cry himself to sleep if he knows it gets made into a race car. Doug uh, owned my mom's Corvette for a little bit. Yeah, it was a couple tones of orange. It come from the uh, East Coast. It was uh, Bucky painted it. It said Vicious Vet on it. Yeah, I know Doug owned it for a little bit. Now it's up in South Dakota somewhere. It's changed hands a couple times now again. Yeah, they seem to be the premier collector of Corvette stock cars. That seems like they that's kind of neat walking in their shop. There's some really cool cars in there. Back I guess to, the dragster uh, can be fixed. I heard the dragster can be fixed. I heard he took it to Jesse Plant and they put it on the jig, and I hear that it's repairable. Yeah, the good thing, you know, you had that little mishap that I think one of, the, one of the quotes I heard is, I'm fine, everything hurts, but um, at my age, everything hurts anyways. So, <laughs> you know, Doug's a good guy. I like Doug. Oh, yeah, great people. And yeah. hopefully, hopefully he gets that back together and keeps going for the rest of the year. It'd be nice to see him do good in, in comp. He's definitely had a run at it. And it's still kind of anybody's races, race for what we have left. Yeah, do you see the uh, Treadwells went all the way out to Arizona from Florida? To run comp out there, Jenny had a win and a runner-up. That 
that's putting some miles on but we're in that time of year i mean guys yeah not well, I, chase I those points. To find races tell you honest truth yeah there's not gonna be a lot of fuel savings for the next month i used to like doing my traveling at the beginning of the year when it was cold here in pennsylvania to go down <laughs> to gainesville uh you know um atlanta charlotte four wide like that was that's bobby was you at gainesville uh when the uh stuff happened uh i was in gainesville in 2015 and 2016 okay i was there this year when everything went down no i wasn't there this year it was it was kind of crazy down there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i heard um Brian wanted to touch on the uh, bringing new, you know, always we want to touch on bringing new blood into the sport. When I am at uh, nationals and divisionals, when I'm racing, more so at nationals because there's a crowd there, I I have a flyer stand and I hand out, I have about 500 flyers that I bring. They, uh, uh, They have pictures of my cars on the front, but on the back, they explain stock and super stock. It's a couple, like two paragraphs, uh, explaining the rules, explaining what the class uh, consists of, how they come up with a, a class, a weight break, um, how the bracket style race works, and how a heads up race would work. And it's it's pretty cool. I run out of them every every event. Uh, people take all the flyers. I try to talk to as many people as I can. Just the young kids, young kids tend to like my stalker better, the the Fox Body Mustang, and then the older generation likes the the Super Stalker, the '65 Mustang better. Mm-hmm. But it's just nice to talk to everybody. Then they then they he, see like, oh, stock Super Stock, that's the class. That's that's the guys that do all the the wheelies and things like that. Um, they take an interest in it, and then it also helps that my stalker is not. It's not like a. It's obviously not a hundred thousand dollar car. So I show them, hey, this is you know, a ten, fifteen thousand dollar car. If you want to get into it, this is actually a good car to try and get into it. Aside from like a billionaire dime rocket, which is uh cheaper. But I I do my part. I try. I try everything I can to get people to understand what we're doing and what, what our classes represent. Yeah, it's uh you could you know I, I look at it all the time. I'm always looking at class racer and looking at the classifieds and seeing what's out there for cars and I'm a I'm kind of an old diehard Mopar guy. Like Mopar, no cars. How I was raised, my family all had Mopars, and the the joke is my car actually did. I bought a raffle ticket because I started a business. I had a '68 Charger. I sold that when I started my my business, and I wanted a just a car to run around town, rip around, and maybe go to the racetrack, maybe build a bracket car. And, and my buddy John McLaughlin said, "Hey, make that thing a stocker, so you can go to stocker races, or you can bracket race it, you can drive it around, do whatever you want." And, so yeah, I I did technically win my car, I guess, but it didn't have any drive line and it's been kind of a labor of love working on it, trying to make it faster. And it's not you know, I think seventy five under is about the fastest I've ever got it to go. But if it wasn't for our association, I would never have a stock eliminator car. I mean it's to get in there and actually see what it's about, it's really cool. But you go on class racer, you can buy a car like mine. I mean, they're all over for twenty five to thirty thousand dollars. Now it's a it's kind of a beat up combo on a 2000 Camaro, but man, it can run pretty consistent. Teaches you a lot about it. And when you compare what we're racing for, for money compared to just bracket guys or for trophies or for, you know, you start racing 90 cars in box for 800 bucks. How does that make any sense? Cause they're still spending the same amount of money. 
Right. I, I'm just hoping more racers uh, support the stuff like Dave Lay's East Coast Stock Super Stock Association, our deal. We got the Buckeye deal, you know, the Midwest deal, and then they got one out in Arizona. And I see that RJ Sledge is getting ready to start one up in Texas. I'm just hoping that racers support these deals because, you know, supporting these deals is going to keep the stock super stock alive, you know, yeah. to me, you know, just keep on running these associate races, you know, plus the NHRA races, but, you know, keep it supporting the associate races. You know, they definitely need it supported to keep everything going. Well, at the end of the day, we can't control what the NHRA does, but we can contribute and help control what the association does right they're all looking for volunteers i think if anybody out there listening right now call their local association and says hey do you need me to fundraise or do you need me to make a phone call they would all be willing to accept it and they're all good about taking input and that's what's going to help grow the sport yeah i don't know what kind of money uh, well i know what kind of money you guys run for but i don't know some of the other association deals but we you know we run for 1500 bucks and uh you know, you guys run for three thousand. I think I, the way I seen them checks, I thought I seen three thousand dollars. Yeah, it's thousand dollars runner up. Yeah, like I think this weekend was two to the winner, thousand of the runner up. Which yeah, you but know, you know that's more that's more money you can win at a divisional. Man, second, I mean, hate to say it that way, but it's more money you can run at, win at a divisional. And it it's really bottom side heavy. So even to win second round, I think you get a hundred dollars. So oh, I mean, there that's, you go. There's there's actually some money there, but you know we couldn't do that without guys like John McLeod, Dan Weiss, and Al Nias. I mean the guys that really started, and even you know the late Ron Riddell. You know was kind of the backbone of getting everything going. And we just we would not be here have as good an association if it wasn't for the work those guys put in. I mean that's I think they're kind of taken for granted. I mean I don't know if we truly appreciate how many hours those guys spend doing that stuff and. Give a shout out to those guys. I mean, anybody running an association, thanks for doing what you're doing. Cause that's yeah, I run, I run the Buckeye deal. Okay. Thank you, Joe. And thank you, Dave Lay. Runs the East Coast Stock Super Stock. We have one more race, I believe, Sunday, November 1st at ATCO. And we're doing everything we can to keep that track open because there is rumor that that track is being sold this year. And Yeah, I know. I heard that rumor too. I'd be very sad because that track is about an hour and a half from me. Um, so... I already lost English Town. I'm really hoping Atco can can stay open for us. I stayed there for three weeks when Joe had the track. Uh, I had a bunch of races on the East Coast to do, and Joe said, "Just pull over." I was over there on the other side of the track by the building. He said, "There's a plug-in over there." He said, "He always he what the heck did he call me Turbo because he knew my name was Nitro, but he always called me Turbo Joe <laughs> just to <laughs> get my attention." <laughs> but yeah, Joe was a character. I I always enjoyed enjoy Joe. Well, we appreciate you coming on today, Joe, and it was nice to get your insight. Um, so for anybody out there listening that doesn't get your stuff already, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, just the uh, best way, either uh, instant message me on Facebook. I'm under Nitro Joe Jackson on Facebook or Nitro Joe at neo.rr.com. You can email me and I'll uh, fix you up the information on getting stats and uh, unfortunately this year, we're only going to have one stat book at the end of the year, but I'm still sending everybody out stat stuff about every three, four weeks by email. And that's another thing that, you know, whoever's a, a subscriber, you get email stats from me. And then anytime I, I always tell all my subscribers that anytime you need, you know, you want to know everybody's running a particular class, just email me. I can send you all the stuff for that particular class. You know, it's easy to do by email. 
So great. We thanks we, for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. We we appreciate it, and that's kind of what makes us fun, you know, just talking to other people that are in it, been around it, and seeing it. And I mean, that's it's more or less just a conversation. What's happening and where's it going? So we appreciate having you on. And I honestly don't think we're in trouble or anything right now. You know, everybody keeps oh, doomsday's coming up and this and that. I, ah, we're we're in good shape. Yeah, we're all right. I th- I think so too, Jill. So thank you very much for coming on, Joe. It's been great to talk to you today, and uh, you know, hope hope to get your stat book and. Hopefully next year you'll have a nice huge stat book for us when we get back to normal. Oh, it's it's been interesting this year to say the least. Indeed. Well, we just want to give a thank out or shout out too to everybody that's been listening. We uh we appreciate all the comments. Um it's been really well received and it's been a lot of fun. Um every episode I feel like I learned something about it and hopefully we're educating some people out there that don't much about it and are maybe interested and want to get into it. So uh continue to reach out. Um, you know how to find us, like us on Facebook, go ahead and share this. This will be Facebook live, kind of how it's getting made. You can feel free to share that. Go to our website, uh, reach out if you got any comments or questions or concerns, let us know. Well, guys, anytime you want me back on, just give me a shout and, or need any stuff. Just let me know. All right. Thanks, Joe. Uh, also real quick, um, anybody that is on our Facebook page. That's where we do everything. I, we, you know, we try to acknowledge number one qualifiers, winners, anything interesting that happens in the class racing world, put it up there. And I know it's very difficult to add or insert photos onto uh, uh, classracer.com. So you can put your photos on our Facebook page and then insert them from our page also. So that's all I have to say today. Wrapping up October 12th, 2020 episode. See you next time. Have a good weekend. Hang loose, everybody. (laughs) Good show, guys.